This is inconstant. Hi everyone, quick notice before this episode starts. I'm going to be launching a new podcast about comic books with Cole Harvey called C3 Panel. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll probably be posting the first episode in the feed for Inconstant. Thanks guys, and uh, on to this episode where I'll be talking to Tom Weirroth about the movie that is Shawshank Redemption. Thanks guys, bye. Alright, welcome to Inconstant. This is another episode in our series discussing movies. Uh, my guest today is uh, Tom Ralph. He's an accountant. He loves films, theatre and writing, uh, and writing and reading books uh, when he can. He's uh, hopefully um, going to be a published writer one day. He knows me uh, through Imran and we've uh, uh, been friends for the past decade. And uh, the movie that we are discussing today is the Shawshank Redemption. So I'm just going to ask you um, a couple of questions that I'm going to ask everyone that's going to be appearing on the podcast from here on in. Uh, so my first question to you is, what is your favourite episode of Time Team? <laughs> I have no idea because I never watched it. <laughs> I know that. What's his name? Tony Rob... Tony... Tony Robinson? Oh, Tony Robinson yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Baldrick from, from Blackadder. Yeah, that's it. I yeah, so, um, so not to be confused with uh, Tommy Robinson. Yeah, Tony Robinson. So the second question I'm going to ask you is why did you choose uh, this this movie? Um, do you know what? The reason I chose the movie, and to be honest, it's quite... Everyone I know that tells me who, what their favorite films are, are they going to say something like, I don't know, Star Wars, Godfather, Goodfellas, um, Heat, things like that, which I completely understand are all great films. And when they ask me, I say, sure, Sharon, don't you? And they look at me all funny. And uh, by the same time, yeah, actually, it's a good film, good film. But the, and the reason I love it is because it's one of those films. It's probably the only film, probably there are other few exceptions, the only film where I can watch it again and again and again and never get bored of it. It's a film that I watch. It's a film that's, you know, has very low, low highs and very low lows, but I always watch it with a smile on my face. And it's just one of those films where, I know, at the beginning, you can see all the crap that he goes through and no matter what happens he still has this like center which that never shakes never shifts and it's it's, it's basically it's almost like an inspirational film there's so many things you can take from it where there's one thing you can take from it, is inspirational film and and it's and uh, and it, it says to you it's no matter what it always will pull through, you you can always pull through no matter what you're going through so that's the main reason for me that i love this film so much and it has a bit of everything in a way. So, so. And um, the second question I'm going to ask you is, do you remember the first time when you saw the movie? Yes, I do remember the first time. Sorry, it must have been around the mid-90s. Um, 
I remember the only reason I started watching it, I actually came across by accident. Um, me and my mom used to do this thing where every Saturday we probably watch game sh- host shows and stuff like that. And I just flicked through the channel. And uh, I think it was, yeah, we just finished watching Gladiators. <laughs> and Gladiators used yeah. to be on. And I was just flicking through the channels and it happened to be on Channel 4. And it was in the middle. So I started watching it then. And I got really, yeah, that was a really good film. And then I remember a few months later, it was shown on BBC Two, I think. And it was from the beginning, I started watching that. And since then, every time it was on, I would watch it again and again. And it also, I mean, the, one of the main reasons I actually, you know, caught my eyes because Morgan Freeman was in it. And I remember Morgan Freeman, first seeing Morgan Freeman in Robin Hood, that great film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, so I watched it for him, and then, but also when I watched it for the, again from the beginning for the first time, it, it it basically, if I didn't know it beforehand, I knew then to how good an actor Morgan Freeman was, because when I watched Robin Hood, I wasn't watching how good Kevin Costner was. I mean, Morgan Freeman stole that film for me, from anyone else in that film, apart from probably Alan Rickman. So yeah, that's when it was around the first time I watched it. So. Okay, sure. So that kind of uh, sort of leads me nicely onto my uh, next uh, question. Um, so obviously, Morgan Freeman plays the the character of Red mm. um, in the original sort of Shawshank Redemption. For those of you who aren't aware, is based on a series of short stories by Stephen King, and in the original series of short stories. Um, yeah, it's Red is, yeah, is, is uh, 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 sh- uh, sh- short stories. Um, um, Red is actually uh, a white Arab. Irish guy. So yeah. is this not just a typical example of you know the uh, liberal Hollywood elite taking a job away from a hardworking <laughs> Irish actor and giving it to um, an undeserving ethnic minority? Um, would would you agree with that statement, or was that something you'd like to uh, to challenge me on? <laughs> um, do you know what? I think they absolutely addressed this in the film itself. Yeah. When they said, um, "So he said, my name's Red," to uh, Andy Dufresne, who's played by Tim Robbins, and I said, "Red, why are they call you Red?" I said, I "Don't know." So I think it's the Irish in me. So I think they yeah. addressed it right <laughs> there and then. Said, "You know what?" It doesn't matter. Anyone can play this character, and to be honest, so, it, and to, and in a way, is if you think of the time, it, you're in America. You're more a person in prison. You're more likely to be black in prison because of the system at that time. Even now, today, it's so prejudiced against black people that it's actually fitting that a black person plays that role. Yeah. Than a redhead is actually a redhead Irish guy. Yeah, you know redhead I mean? Irish guy. Yeah, so yeah. that's probably why. Um, so I think the the reason why this film works on repeated viewings, and I think a lot of people do watch it and can watch it repeatedly, is due to the sort of like the charisma and the chemistry between the two lead uh, lead performances. So um, Tim uh, Tim Robbins and uh, um, Morgan Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman and it's just, it's just, it'd be quite interesting because they've they've re they've remade this as um as a a theatre show now and kind yeah, of yeah, Morgan Freeman's character is played by um you know usually a, a black 
access. I'm just just wondering how how different um, you know different you know, because it's something me and um Imran talked a little bit about during the um during our episode about Back to the Future yeah, where yeah. um uh, Martin McFly was played by a different actor. I'm just wondering mm. in a world well, where that actor was actually correctly ethnically classed. Do not how the movie would have would have worked. In a lot, lot there are a lot of times where you can actually turn around and say, uh, do not a gay actor could have played that gay character, or you know, this this black guy could have played that character, or an American could have played this one instead of a British actor, because that's actually the most common complaint now why American characters are being played by British actors. Um, there's a lot of that being said as well, but. Um, First, two things. One, it depends. If you're talking about Shawshank, I don't think it matters as much because um, uh, black American Africans in prison is a thing that is an actual reality. And some of it probably because they were correctly um, charged and sent to prison. But a lot of it is because there's a lot of prejudice and racism within the system, which existed from the early years of America to even today. So I don't think that matters. In terms of, um, yeah, there should be opportunities for characters, the people that actually have that affiliation or have that um, characteristic about them or personality about them, which makes them a perfect role. Yes, you can. If you do, find, let's say, a gay character, if you find a gay character uh, and they said, let's get a gay actor because he knows how to be gay and therefore that, fine. However, if you have like uh, 10 gay actors and one straight actor and all the 10 gay actors are crap at playing that character and the one straight actor does, then you surely it should be a case of where if this one character can play better than those 10 guys, then give to that person because this is all about um, you know, the quality not the yeah. not to fill a quota at the same time yeah, though so. basically for me it should be there should be opportunity for all whether yeah. you know, no matter what you are, uh, but then you've got to get the right person in there. So yeah, so I mean, I mean, the, 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 I mean kind of the, the, the digressing a little bit. Kind of, I'm all in favour of um, yeah, ethnically bind um, casting, but it does it can lead occasionally lead to movies like um, uh, Avatar: Legend of Aang, which is like one of my favourite cartoon shows, and they apparently, you know, I I don't think they cast it ethnically blind i think they just cast white actors in there because the, the hollywood heads mm. um didn't believe if it was ethnic, correctly ethnically cast that it, it would have um so but you know it's, it's kind of oh well, you, know, that, you know that combination of like yeah. you know um no, no i agree Morgan with freeman that. Again, and uh, tim robbins it wouldn't you i don't think that the film would have worked with well, any well, other two combinations of actors well, think of the, this uh, way the other people before tim robbins got the uh role there there was offered to uh, Kevin Costner, uh, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, even. Um, Kevin Costner never got it. Tom Cruise didn't believe in the director. And Tom Hanks refused because he went to... Who would have Tom Cruise been playing? Would it be... Um, Andy, Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So that's, like, got... that's an interesting choice. See, exactly. That's an interesting choice. It, 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 now, I've... Kevin Costner is, is a good actor. Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise are really good actors, you know, um, both several yeah. uh, nominated. Um, uh, Thomas got two or three Oscars. Yeah. So, but, and Tom Hanks only didn't do it because he got the role of Forrest Gump. 
actually one of yeah. the main one of the main reasons the film didn't do well the film didn't do well in the box office at all it only made that almost double of what it you know it cost i think around 58 million or something like that but um and it was made for around 25 um but um the yeah, yeah, yeah and one of the main reasons that um it didn't do well was because of forrest gump and the other film what was the other film pulp fiction so pulp fiction forrest gump came out at the same time as shawshank so we got absolutely that's slaughtered. a triple threat right there, isn't it? Exactly. That's a, that's a triple threat right there, yeah. Exactly. And then if you think about it, there's no female leads in the film, so that's probably a, a dissuading the women uh, audience. So, and it's, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, some of it's, it's few, those are some of the why it didn't do so well. But when it came to the Oscars, it had something like six or seven nominations. It didn't win any, but still it got nominated for around those many. Um, but yeah. even though, if let's say Tom Hanks did uh, accept it, even though he probably made a really good job of it, I cannot see the uh, it working as much as Tim Robbins doing. And to be honest, since Shawshank, I don't remember Tim Robbins being in any other film which I thought, wow, he's really great in that. If anything, if, if any, if let's have a look. Let's have a look at Tim Robbins' um, IMDb page. I mean, I know he's, he's been in a few. Um, last thing I ever remember seeing him in was in. Um, uh, remake of War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. He was in that. I remember him being in that. Absolutely. He played some kind of so crazy after. Guy. Okay, so he was in. Let's see after Shawshank. Oops, let's go down. So okay, so he's actually in some pretty big movies after. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was, but the, yeah. the most I mean, memorable like, performance I can remember him is was in a short I don't think he's done any better performance since. Of course, a lot of people disagree with me on that, but for me, that's if I can't remember Tim Robbins or anything else, then that sh- to me says. So that for me, Tim Robbins' um, two best performances were um, the player which is if you've not seen that film that's a really good uh, satire on the the player so that's a satire of the uh, hollywood um film system uh, film system and um jacob's lad jacob's lad is not that great of a movie but he's he's very good in it i oh. think um but looking at his filmography he was he, i don't remember a mystic river was he mystic river oh yeah he wasn't actually yeah, yeah i don't know Okay. But again, for he, me, oh, it was just Shawshank. So yeah, Shawshank Redemption. So and yeah, he's been in a few other sort of like big budget movies. But yeah, Shawshank Redemption is obviously the um, you know he's you know I think he's probably best um, known for now. So I've I've mentioned previously that the uh, Shawshank Redemption's a um, Adaptation of uh, some short stories. Have you read the the short uh, the, the, the stories? No, that, I, haven't, um... I haven't actually read the short stories. They, I think the uh, it's called like Reed, Reed Hayward and the Shawshank Redemption. I think they were called. Um, but apparently, is uh, the film doesn't deviate too much away from the book. There are a few differences, where, for example, um, in the towards the end of the film, how he, when he gets away, how, how where does he get his money from? It's obviously from all those cons and uh, fraudulent schemes that he does with the warden that's where he gets the money from but in the book i think he actually before he went to prison apparently he had loads of assets and then he sold them and put them you know some kind of safety deposit box and then he and when he escaped he went and got that money and went to um, 
Sinhua Tanea, which I can never pronounce, no matter how many times I hear it or read it, I can never pronounce that town goes to in Mexico. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, I haven't read the books. Um, it's probably probably something I should put on my list, but um, but apparently the, there's not much difference in it. There are a few, but not much. Yeah, so I mean, having you know, realized that it is kind of a, a literary adaptation, you can kind of see the like the scenes of where kind of they've they, they have adapted it with some of the um the use of uh the voiceover and the fact that it's um it's quite an episodic movie in a lot of ways there will be sort of like a, a sh- you know you can't say I, I, w- I wouldn't say like the what happens in the movie kind of doesn't flow into each other but you can definitely tell there's like this is what happened in this story and yeah. then like the next story yeah, yeah. Yeah. kind of um Kind yeah, of, it was uh, all, all threaded together quite well. So, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, to be honest with, with the film, it's like... Obviously, when the film came out, a lot of people started, you know, as you do, analyse the film and everything. And some say how, like, Andy's like Jesus and the warden's like Lucifer. Um, I mean, there's one one bit where a lot of people talk about... Um, where when the warden goes into his to check him out for the first time, and then they're doing obviously a a search of his cell, like a mass search for cell, like they do every time, and um, he tells him the line, uh, "I am the light." To Andy Dufresne from the quote for the Bible, because he was re- uh, Andy Dufresne was reading the Bible, saying that's one of his favorite, and saying that to him, "I'm your savior." When, in actual fact, a lot of people analyze that the warden is actually the Satan who has. Been, as being called the bearer of the light so oh yes yeah so things like that i've heard also other things like when they go to the roof again they portray andy as some kind of jesus because it was him and 12 others so he's he's jesus and he they're, they're the disciples and he brings food and drink to them and all that i mean there's a lot of analysis into it and stuff like that and they're where they um like into all kinds of religions and stuff like that which is i guess you can but at the same time, it's like, yeah. um, for me, it's, it shouldn't overcomplicate it. It should be just uh, more simpler than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there might be some Christian allegory in there. I mean, I don't think the allegory is as um, explicit as it is in a film like another Stephen King film, um, also set in a prison, Green Mile, yeah. where, you know, the, 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 the allegory there is far more... Yeah, um, John Coffey. Explicit, Jesus, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. John Coffey and kind of the fact that he actually, you know, he absorbs yeah. the sins and the the evil from the 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 other characters in that film. So I mean, th- I think there is some same composer and director, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so the next um, question I wanted to ask. So in the in the film, I think um, another reason why it it works so well is that there are different types of story within the film so you've got kind of um almost a horror story with sort of andy being uh yeah. repeatedly raped and attacked and then yeah. you've got kind of um uh a, a story of friendship between um um red and andy dufresne you've got yeah. an episode where they're Building, building the library. Then you've got another episode where it's kind of, almost kind of like a, a a legal drama going on there between sort of like the the warden and um, 
the Andy. the character that uh, with Andy, and then you've got kind of like a heist and escape movie mm. kind of at the end of it. So I'm just wondering what you what you kind of felt, um, what your thoughts on that would be. I think each of them are stories which feed into uh, one thing really, and that is the case of in the hell that he's living with in. Because you've got to remember, he's, well, he's an innocent man that's been wrongly convicted, sent to prison, completely out of his depth. He's obviously a very educated man, you, you know, and you know, knows all kinds of stuff outside of his own education and things like that, very knowledgeable, very wise and all that. Very cultural, cultured, I should, I should say. So he's been thrown into this completely alien environment. So... And within, was it the first two, three years, he was constantly targeted by the sisters, as they call themselves, and constantly gang-raped and beaten to, uh, to inch of his life and everything, and his hell on earth and all that. And throughout, and then you got uh, his friendship with Red, then you got his um, illegal uh, um, dealings with the warden, where he's doing all these schemes and fraudulent schemes and stuff like that. And then you've got his pet projects that he has, all of them are connected for one purpose only, and that is no matter what he's going through, he's surviving. He is, his um, inner core is still strong. And no matter what you do to him, he'll still be the way he is, still you know, plug, you know, push on through. Um, no matter how much he's beaten down, he'll get back up. Um, also, if you think of it, it keeps his sense of integrity as well. Also, what you call probably an internal freedom within himself as well, if you think about it, um, where no matter what you do, there's something inside of him that he will not take, that won't be taken away from him, a sense of hope, uh, a, sen a sense of life. Um, even certain things like that, for example, um, he did, uh, there's some, uh, the open rebellion he did when he played that, uh, the, that opera music uh, on the, on the tunnel yeah. throughout the whole prison. You know, that in itself, that bit of rebellion there, it cost him to go and be in the, like two weeks in the hole or whatever, however long it was. However, that little bit there was, you know, just something he needed, not just for himself, but he also gave to the other prisoners, you know, to feel, okay, it's like a recharge. So all of them are very interesting stories, all good stories and everything, and all, but they're all threaded nicely together and it tells the whole story. You know, and it's like the journey of what he goes through to get to where he's at the end. And uh, there's and they're all constants in a way. Well, not all of them. They're all there's a lot of stories in there, but there's a constant theme throughout then and the and yeah. 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 Um so the next thing so um like Andy Defray and you are an accountant. Um you think you <laughs> he's, a you, you, he's a banker. He's a banker. He's a banker. <laughs> he's a banker. He's a banker, but uh, a similar sort of financial yeah. Financial skills. Do you think you would be you now if you were put in that Andy Dufresne's uh, situation, you'd be able to sort of like similarly uh, convince people to, to use your financial skills to 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 your own benefit and to their benefit while uh, while incarcerated? No, because <laughs> <laughs> because Andy Dufresne knew the banking and taxes and inside. He was a he was when he was a banker. He was not just a banker. He was the banker, where everyone. I thought he, he was just um. He I thought he was just like a bank manager. Was he? I think 
if if he was a bank manager or a banker, he was extremely good one. And he, even okay, even, yeah. even even when on the roof, when he went to what's his, what's the prison guy's name? Hadley, is it? Can't remember his name. Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, so uh, the the captain of the prison guards. You know, he's complaining yeah. about how the taxman. Yeah. Yeah, how the taxman is going to take away most of the money that his uh, estranged brother left him, and obviously when uh, when Dufresne was uh, was about to be thrown off and then finally come uh, off the roof and then finally convince him, well, actually, no, you can keep all the money, but just give it to your wife and how to do it all and everything. And he said, you're, and basically you're that hotshot banker, aren't you? So in, uh, he says that. So I think outside, even though he was a banker, a bank manager, he was an extremely good one. And he knew the tax system and the bank system and the financial system inside out. Now, I can tell you, there's a lot of probably accountants out there. We know Atik, for example, and all that. He's very good at his job. Even Pav is very good at his job. But even the, the, their level of knowledge is probably nowhere compared to Andrew Frame. No offense, Pav is, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, just listening. Uh, but um, he knew the system to the point where even 20 years down the line, he's he could still manipulate the system because yeah. he knew no, he's been, I mean, at that point he'd been in jail for quite a long time. So yeah. I don't know how he kept on top of all the, um, exactly. I assume the tax code changes on a regular basis. I assume, but getting, um... I, I assume that, um, considering that when he first, when he first, um, was able to come up with, uh, you know, help the prison guards and the, uh, warden with their taxes and everything at the time, he was currently up to date. So obviously they, they saw uh, the warden saw they could actually use him. So obviously, I think they'll provide him with any up to date information. You know, if they, yeah. or he'll ask them, actually, yeah. I need this and this, so I know if it's all up to date. So, and a man of de- uh, someone of that who's that studious and has that much de- eye for detail, he would um, uh, definitely keep up to date with him if he's given the information. So, yeah. Um, but but Man says so, definitely not. <laughs> and different yeah, is definitely, definitely not. Far smarter than I am when it comes to that kind of thing. <clears throat> So um, the, the the other thing that uh, kind of um, is a theme that runs through the uh, the entire movie is kind of the dangerous nature of um, feeling hope, and you know how kind of hope repeatedly dashed can kind of destroy the human soul. Mm. You know, hope being if you hold on to hope uh, and sort of nurture it, it can also see you through so um uh, at the time of recording this we are what's the day today it's the 14th of april 2020 we're in the middle of the covid19 uh lockdown um so it's just it's kind of it's an interesting thing to hope uh talk about is hope you know the actual notion of hope at the moment because you know at the moment the entire world is mm. hoping that the vaccine is going to be developed the entire world is hoping that um, the governments in their respective countries will going to be going to hopefully eventually be doing a good job if they're not doing a good job at the moment. Um, so I just wanted to sort of you know raise the issue of hope and how it's dealt with within this movie. Um, within this movie, <clears throat> both when when obviously the the hope is mentioned after Andy comes out from being in the hole for two weeks because of that. So he played that music out loud to the Tanoi. And he said the reason why he was able to deal with it and not have no problem being in the hole was because he had that hope inside of him. And of course, uh, Red 
took off, uh, almost took offense to that way. You, sh- you shouldn't be doing that. It's dangerous. You know, if you keep, if you have hope, you're going to destroy yourself. Best get rid of it. And uh, as a, and so what, um, like Brooks did. Now Brooks is obviously the elderly gentleman, a prisoner uh, who's been in this all his life, like 50 years of life. Then he finally got released, but he couldn't deal with it because within prison himself, he was an important man outside. He was nobody and obviously eventually took his life. He, that's an example of someone who had literally no hope. Um, what I'll tell you, one, one thing I'll tell you about hope. There are a lot of people out there who lose hope and, you know, do what they need to do. You know, just give up, give themselves up and or take their life or what have you, right? But even when someone has lost hope, this is something, well, is a, a, one of the definitions of being human or humanity. Even if when you have lost hope, you, you still have hope. Even maybe the most minuscule or spark of hope within you. Because let's say um, you're going to be, someone's going to shoot you and you lost all hope, you're not going to survive. But even right there and then, you're hoping in the hope that something happens where you don't die. You, you don't want to die. You have that hope of not wanting to die, but you know you're going to. So no matter how hopeless you feel, there's always hope, even the small, within each person. And if I was to, and and this is, and also this film is quite relevant at this time now, for, and and I recommend to anyone who hasn't seen this film or forgotten what the film is about to watch it again because, in relation to what's going on with the COVID nineteen virus, the pandemic, you know. People are uh, not just about worried about catching hope, what's having dying, or if you if you're not going to catch it, whether they're going to have their job, or or they're going to lose their home, or what have you, you know. No matter how bleak you get, you will pull through. Um, uh, you, things will come back. Things will turn around again. You, if you get ill and you're on the brink of death, you can come back from that. If you die, don't worry about it because at the end of the day, we are all born and we are all lead going towards our deaths. So just make the most of what you got. Moving away from COVID nineteen, we we uh, if you forget COVID nineteen, put it to one place. If you just look at the state of our world at the moment, this is a time where we have fascist government, fascist governments left, right, center of us. When we're talking in Brazil, we're talking about in Hungary, Austria, uh, Italy, they have like a semi-fascist government. If you look at our own damn country, we're like <laughs> not that good few steps away from there. America are indirectly fascist. I mean, it's not, I think it was today or yesterday where the president of the United States says that his power is absolute. It's a, well, no, it's not legally, it's not, you're not a dictator, but he calls it that. So the you know, the extreme right, the fascist right, you know, before, I mean, around the 1940s, we had about, what, two or three or four. Here, we got, we're going into almost double figures. And, you know, where people don't believe, believe in ideology is so much more than actual facts and figures and experts. You know, is, is, this, is a, this is a time where hope and, you know, a bright future is at its lowest at the moment. But at the same yeah. time, we can push through we can pull through and this film identifies that a lot so i think it's kind of interesting because um red only really 
gains his freedom once he gives up the last vestiges of, of hope really and stops mm. you know giving you know giving a shit and just being completely honest with the parole board so oh, i think yeah. it's kind of whether you're holding on to, to to genuine hope or whether it's false false hope so i think you know from what one do you um, i think it's interesting you might be on 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 path to sort of freedom i think the other what, thing that goes in the movie what i find interesting is that parole board their main aim there was not to see if you're going to do it again which is indirectly is yes it is but the main aim was for each time red went to a parole hearing was to see has this man been crushed if this man has been crushed and has no life in him then he won't uh, he won't be any use whatsoever he will just disappear and die that's what, for me what I, I i saw the parole board being you know if he if he's lost all kind of energy all kind of spark all kind of hope then he won't be we won't need to deal with him he can just go away and you don't need him anymore in the prison so if you look at each one of those parole hearings he's upbeat looking into his positive and all that but then it's only the last one where he's thinking do not i can't be fucking bothered no go and fuck yourself do what you want and it's like oh, okay yeah great let's kick him out um so he so he gets his freedom that way but at the same time the same thing with brooks he's been in a very long time he'd rather stay in there in prison where he's with friends where he hears somebody where he can get things is an important man instead of being out there in a world where he does not recognize whatsoever however uh, and and do you know and and, uh, and this is where and uh, his friendship with andy pays dividends because andy knows this so he that's why he told him if you ever get out go here go here he's, i'm giving you a life i'm giving you hope so and he remembers that. Good thing is he remembers when he gets up and then he goes. Yeah, I mean, there are a few kind of like um, there are a couple of things in the movie. So whenever you're watching a movie, you always have to kind of have a certain amount of uh, suspension of um, disbelief. So you have to kind of suspend your disbelief that um, Andy would have been in exactly the right spot to kind of dig him, dig himself out through that wall and sort of mm. get through the, the the pipe and whatever but for me like the, the biggest suspension of disbelief that i had in the film was red actually having a hope in hell of finding that particular but because that description wasn't like it wasn't a great description mate. if he'd if he'd given that to me it would have been walking around the field and flipping texas or wherever it was for a very very long time well, before i came across that he, tree. he told them it, he told them it's in buxton he told them he's, he's yeah. in those fields around Buxton, and he said that yeah. there's this wall, and it's the only wall like it in there. So yeah, yeah, mate, that's going to take you a very long yeah, time. Yeah, it's taking a very long time. I... No, that's fine. <laughs> he might be going out there for a very long time. That's, you know, it's just strange black dudes walking around the fields in. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But I think he's someone there. Where what's he got to lose? And yeah, yeah, is at that point Fair where he, he he's got nothing to lose. What's going? Uh, what's the worst that's going to happen? He might get a slap on the wrist for not coming to work on time if he does take all that time to get there. And yeah. if anything, told that it's in the fields of Buxton, around the town of Buxton, and there's this particular wall there where there's no other wall around it. And by the end of all, there's this tree, 
and in the tree there's a black rock there and I need to black with something for you. All he has to do is find a local and say, yeah, I'm looking for this wall. Do you know where it is? Oh, yeah, just go to that field. So there's that possibility. Yeah. So yes, Yeah, fair enough. Um, the I'll just ask you one last question, then we'll kind of wrap up. If this movie was made today, would the two main characters be gay? Because, no. like, uh, the, the idea of, like, platonic friendship between two blokes hmm. isn't it's like it's, it's a weird thing to discuss really uh, to show on film kind of um like the, the example like i'm, I'm going to give is in star wars um the whole the whole thing oscar isaac and yeah. yeah oscar isaac and what's the name of the other uh, guy um uh, oh, that's going to annoy me now. Who's that? So, let me, let me I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name now. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, and... What is his name? Oh, uh, I'm going to type it. Um, so, let's see. Not Lando. Oh, hang on, let me find out. Oscar so there's a lot of um lot of, yeah a lot of uh talk online hey you know people from this sort of like uh from various communities saying oh those two guys are gay for each other that, that the characters are gay for each other and kind it's of funny you should say that first it's, of all, it's interesting, interesting first kind of, all, yeah first go ahead all, if we just step away from short and talk about those two characters in there there is a weird moment in the in the force awakens where so they bump into each other. They're helping each other escape, which is fine. And yeah. then it's only when they finally get back to the rebels' base. There's a weird moment where they run to each other and hug each other. I'm like, how do you go from just acquaintances escaping to being really good friends there? That just that in itself was a weird scene. Even even if you were gay, gay guys wouldn't go and say buddy and hug yourself yeah. like, oh my god it was like yeah okay that's that was an awkward scene i don't know how that worked yeah. out in terms of there were <laughs> there were calls for that where um pole which is oscar's um character and um finn that's the other guy's character uh, were, there were talks that they two should get together as a gay couple um but they didn't go for that story. I don't know why. Um, whether they did or not, I don't know. Probably didn't feed the story. Yeah, sure. but I just, but I just you know, kind of what I'm trying to get is, you know, quite often any any depiction any depiction of sort of like platonic friendship between two blokes is it's automatically there's sometimes like a homo homoerotic sort of thing yeah, going no, on. No, no, but I, that's that's never really tainted. Like, I, I completely That's not get, really attached to this film at all. Yeah, I completely get that. Um, nowadays, a lot of people are putting that forward. But to be honest with you, I when I before when I first watched this film, throughout until now, when I watched this film, I don't get the impression that there is a gay relationship between those two. Um, you know, I'm saying uh, if, they're, they're if, more, if the more, film was made, if the if film, the film was, was made even, now, even if the film was made now, I will, and it was exactly like it is now, uh, as, as yeah. it's portrayed, I wouldn't think that. Only because, okay. firstly, like, I mean, if it was made, if it was remade now, kind of with, with different actors, do you think there would have been? Do you think there'd be pressure from 
um, Hollywood executives or um, peer review groups saying that, you know, well, that, that should be an aspect of the movie. Um, if it was made as it was now and and that was a story presented to the producers and executives, the answer would probably be no because Andy Dufresne would be, you know, he's been gang, gang raped and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, therefore, the homosexuality story is told there in a very bad and negative way. Might I just point out is that you know it shouldn't be portrayed like yeah. that. Um, but again, for me, when I when I see those two together, it, for me, it's, they're just brothers. I, yeah, it's a yeah. relate because I'm I'm a I got a brother myself. Uh, you have a brother yourself, and I see that as as a brother story, as a yeah. brother story. You know, two guys who. Well, at first, Red didn't like him in a way because he lost him a lot a bit. Uh, yeah. But he kind of liked it straight away because he was different and he was refreshing because he was different to everyone else, the way, even the way he walked and everything. And then he, he was someone that he could learn off and they became really good friends and became brothers. And But, yeah, I never saw a gay element in that. Even if you yeah. make it today, I don't. I, will not, I won't see a gay element to that. Yeah, fair um, um... So let's let's wrap up the about four minutes. So, um, uh, the question I asked uh, Jeff yesterday: What um, we're in lockdown at the moment? So, are there any films, books, or albums you would recommend people to check out while in lockdown to kind of maybe help take their mind off or expand their mind during this? Uh, Ooh, good question. Period? Uh, obviously, Shawshank already recommended that. I would recommend any story that does one or two things. Well, probably more than two things, but one, a film that makes you forget of all the of the shit that I need. I need. I need. I need. I need a specific. I need a I need specific film or album. I need a yeah. Just don't don't give me like these uh, generalities, <laughs> man. I need a specific thing for my. Uh, Need your audience to be able to sort of like go onto Netflix or go onto um, Spotify okay. and find. I definitely recommend at the moment something I'm watching now, The Mandalorian. That's very good. Yeah. Um, so, but that, there's even something there for the girls. Um, yeah. uh, if if the girls are wondering, I don't want sci-fi stuff. Um, in terms of uh, other films, I would say uh, Inception is good. Interstellar is good. Um, I would definitely recommend Harry Potter. Definitely, Harry Potter is yeah. definitely something that's a good cheer film. Um, I would probably think of better films, but I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, uh, fair enough. Um, so, uh, can you do you want to share your social media stuff or not? Or and so uh, you're not on like Instagram or Twitter or anything no, like that, no, are you? I'm not. I'm not. So okay, cool. I'm quite old school. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so the bur- my next door neighbor's burglar alarm goes off like every week without fail, and I've been living in this house for going on twenty years, and it's just the most annoying thing. What does he test? Kind of, it will go off. No, I just think it's um, overly sensitive or something. I don't know what what the what the problem with the with the bloody burglar alarm is. It's really really annoying. And sometimes <laughs> it'll it'll go off like one o'clock in the morning, and it's just like what the. Oh man, have you Come not complained? <laughs> What's I can't doing? complain. It's that old, 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 old married couple, man. 
It's uh, old, you know, just be kind of like a little, little bit aggressive for me to go, oh, you need to sort out your bag. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't really know what the hell is. All right, dude, I will, um, I will uh, let you go. Um, if you can join me in saying to my audience, stay the fuck at home. So one, two, three. Stay, stay the fuck at home. home. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. <laughs> That's it. Thank you very much, dude. Um, no worries, man. Probably be speaking to you tomorrow, man. See yeah, you later, man. See you. Bye.